Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and I've been sitting in this chair waiting for you. Have you been waiting for me? Thank you for letting me come into your space. Today we're going to return to James chapter 2 where we're looking at real faith versus fake faith. And that's the series that we're offering you, real faith versus fake faith. There's real faith and there's fake faith. You need to know the difference between the two. The subtitle says, how to make sure your faith is real, not fake, and how to really put it to work. And tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the example of Abraham and how Abraham put his faith to work. But today's program is going to be wonderful. I'm so excited that today we can return to James chapter 2. But order your series today by going online or by giving us a call. And remember that it comes with a study guide. I put so much work into these study guides that I really want you to have it so that you can read it while you hear or see the whole series. And we're offering you two books because they go together. One is called Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. I wrote this book when we first moved our family to the Soviet Union, and we were facing a lot of unbelievable obstacles, but we learned that we could overcome them and we, as a family, passed the point of no return. This is the follow-up book. And the subtitle says, Tackling Your Next New Assignment with Courage and Common Sense. It's not enough to have courage. You need courage, but you also need common sense. And you can tackle that assignment with courage and common sense. You can overcome the obstacles and all the dream thieves and fulfill what God has told you to do. You can do it. And these books will really encourage you. I love Dream Thieves and The Point of No Return. Wow. Anyway, you can order these by going online or by giving us a call. And remember that if you become a partner with our partner family, you will change somebody else's life right from where you're sitting. You don't even have to get out of your chair. All you have to do is go online or give us a call. And when you become a partner, you do something that reaches beyond your world into somebody else's world who's crying for answers. If this program has been a blessing to you, would you please help it to become a blessing to somebody else by giving regularly into our ministry? And the moment you become a partner, oh, we're going to thank God for you. We need you. And we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. And we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to partners. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. We give these two books to everyone who becomes a part of the partner family. And please remember that we want to pray for you. We believe in prayer. Let us know how to pray. And the moment you ring our phone or send us your email, we're going to release our faith for God to move mightily in your behalf and to explicitly answer what you're asking him to do. We will believe with you, but we'll pray a lot better if we know how to pray. So give us a call or send us your email. And when we know how to pray explicitly, we will really intelligently with faith pray for God to move mightily in your life. But I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. My friend, today I'm going to talk to you about the work of faith. 
but in yesterday's program, I addressed the subject of Jesus calling Pharisees and Sadducees hypocrites. That's pretty rough. Why did he use the word hypocrite to describe them? Well, Jesus grew up in Nazareth, and just three miles from Nazareth was another city called Sephoris. And in Sephoris, there was a big theater, and obviously, Jesus had been to the theater. And when the actors and the actresses came on the stage, they wore masks. They pretended to be who they were not. And the word hypocrite really means actors and actresses. And when Jesus called the Pharisees and the Sadducees hypocrites, he was literally saying, I know who you guys are. You're nothing but a bunch of actors. You know the lingo. You've memorized all the lines. You know how to speak in order to please the audience, but you're just people wearing a mask. It's all up front. It's phony. It's bogus. It's not real. That is where the word hypocrite comes from. And this is really a mask from the Greek world previous to the first century. If you had a small in-home theater, seems kind of funny, but those in-home actors and actresses wore little tiny masks like this one, also feigning to be something that they were not. But Paul uses this very word in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 when he says to Timothy, Timothy, you have a faith that is unfeigned. That word unfeigned means without hypocrisy. You're not just wearing a mask. You're not pretending to be something that you're really not. Your faith is a real bona fide faith. But if there's a real faith, it means there's also a fake faith. And we need to make sure we're moving in real bona fide faith. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about today. And when we come to James chapter 2, reach for your Bibles. We always use the Bible in this program. We find that real faith is accompanied with works. Faith without works is dead. It's not real. But in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Thessalonians. And he said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. The Greek says work produced by faith. Faith always produces. If faith is present, there is accompanying actions that you can see. But let's go back to James chapter 2 and verse 16 to cover a few verses that we looked at yesterday. And in James 2 verse 16, James says, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. It's dead if it doesn't have works. Verse 18, yea, a man may say, now we're going to come back to this and I think you're going to find this very interesting. Yea, a man may say, well, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest very well. The devils also believe and tremble. Verse 20. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Then he says again in verse 16. So we're going to go back to verse 16. I want to review this again very quickly. And one of you say unto them, 
Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? It's a mouthful of faith statements that has no accompanying action. Faith always has accompanying actions. And in fact, James says, even though you may say, depart, be in peace, be filled, you might be speaking words of faith. If you don't put action to your words, what does it profit? And the word what in Greek is the little word T. It describes the most minute, minuscule detail here. It is nearly an exclamatory statement. What? What? What doth it profit? And the word profit, the Greek word aphelos, describes an advantage, a benefit, a profit, or something that is useful. If there's real faith in action, there's an advantage. If real faith is working, there's a benefit. When real faith is in movement, there's a profit. There's some kind of a usefulness that is produced. And then when you come to verse 17, James says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Wow. And when he says, even so, the Greek would be better translated in this manner, in this way, in accordance with this, or maybe you could translate it better like this, according to this line or along this line of reasoning, even so faith, and the word faith, again, is the word pistis, which we covered in the previous programs. And in the New Testament, this word for faith describes one that is rock solid persuaded, conveys the idea of one that is faithful, reliable, loyal, steadfast. Faith is very reliable and steadfast. It pictures that which is trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, unfailing, unwavering, unchanging. Wow, it is a rock-solid belief. Someone convinced to the core, and every person has a measure of faith. You may not be using it, but you have it. How do we know that? Because Romans 12, 3 plainly says, God has given to every man the measure of faith. That word every is all-encompassing to every single man alive on the earth right now. They have a measure of faith that has been given to them by God. Everyone has it. They may not be using it, but they have it. Romans 1.17 says, The righteous live by faith. Which means if you're going to really live, you have to live by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, we're saved through faith. Hebrews 11 says, 7 says that an active faith is required to please God. So if you want to please God, you've got to be engaging your faith. Not just say you have it, you've got to be engaging it. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 to 7 says we can abound in faith. And 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says our faith can abound so much that it grows exceedingly. And 1 John 5, 4 says our faith has the ability to overcome the world. I translate it, we have a faith that can override the system. We can override anything that comes against us. But it's not enough just to say you have faith. Faith is not silent. Faith is not stationary. The word faith itself, the Greek word pistis, describes something that is in movement. I say it's like a bullet that's been shot out of the gun. Faith is in movement, and faith will take you with it. If you're silent, doing nothing, 
If you have no accompanying works, then you're not moving in faith. Faith is in movement. Faith is never silent. Faith is never just standing in one place doing nothing. It's always producing. And James says in James 2, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works. The word if is very important because he's just supposing an imaginary conversation. Let's just say a person says they have faith, but if it hath not works, and the Greek would be better translated like this, works however he strangely, remarkably, emphatically does not possess, or you could translate it, works on the other hand he remarkably and categorically does not possess or have a grip on at all. In other words, he's making a boast, but he has no evidence. James says in verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And the word dead is the Greek word nekros. This word nekros describes a lifeless corpse with no life or breath left in it. You can touch the pulse, but there's no pulse, there's no heartbeat, there's no breath in the lungs, a cadaver with no life left in it, a body disconnected to life. This word dead, the Greek word for a corpse. And I always think when I see this word nekros, of an experience I had when I was very young in the ministry, and my pastor told me it was time for me to learn how to conduct funerals. So I went to conduct my first funeral in a funeral home. It was an unsaved man, and his family was unsaved. There's nothing worse than conducting a funeral for unsaved people because they're so hopeless. And when we came to the end of the service, it was time for the mother and for the family to pass in front of the casket to give their final farewells to the man who had died. And when the mother, who was in her 80s, looked into the casket and saw her son who died in his 60s, she was so overwhelmed with grief that before I or any of the ushers knew what was happening, she literally crawled into the casket. Have you ever seen that happen in a funeral? That was my first funeral that I conducted. She was laying on top of the cadaver laying on top of his corpse. She took her hands and began beating his chest. Then she took his shirt and began shaking him, saying, speak to me, speak to me. Don't leave me like this. We were all quite stunned as we had to pull her off the corpse. But you know, the corpse never said a word. It never responded because it was dead. It was lifeless. No pulse, no heartbeat, no breath in the lungs, dead just dead. And now James uses the word necros, the word for a cadaver or a corpse. And he says, even so faith, if it has not works, is dead. It is like a corpse. There's no life in it. It's just a lifeless form, but it's dead, being alone. That means faith is never alone. When faith is present, there's activity and there's works that are in accompaniment of it. And that's why he says in verse 18, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. The word yea in Greek is the word Allah. Here it means, but on the one hand, a man may say, the Greek word hereo, it's where we get the word for rhetoric. Rhetorically, a man may say, 
It denotes an imagined conversation. Let's just imagine one man is addressing another man, and he says, Thou hast faith. The word thou is very direct. You have faith. The word have, the Greek word echo, means to have, to hold, or to possess. And the other man says, I have works. So one man claims to have faith, but the other man has works. Both of these men rhetorically are making boasts and claims. The one man says, I have faith. The other man says, I have works. I have, in Greek it's kaago, which means, on the other hand, I have works. And the word works really means outward proof or accompanying actions. And then it continues to say, show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. The word show, the Greek word deiknumi, describes something outwardly observable or done visibly to authenticate, prove, or guarantee something to those that are looking. To prove by showing, which means you can prove if you have faith. To display, to show off, to vividly portray, to point out, to illustrate, to make a visit presentation, to demonstrate. Demonstrate to me. And the Greek is very direct. Demonstrate to me. He's saying, show me. I want to see it. Show me your faith without thy works. The word without is the Greek word chorus. It means to be outside of something such as someone who lives outside the perimeters of a city. You can't live in the city and outside the city at the same time. You're either in the city or you're outside of the city. And now James says, show me your faith without your works. You say you have faith. But if you don't have works, you're living outside of faith. You're not in faith. You're way beyond faith. He says, but I will show you. And the word show here again, the Greek word me. I will demonstrate to you. I will show off, prove to you, authenticate, and illustrate my faith by my works. And the word by is the Greek word ek. It means out of, out of the midst of, meaning there was something visible to see. There was outward proof that was visible and tangible. And when real faith is an operation, there's something to see. If faith is alone, it's dead. Real faith is never alone. And this man says, I can prove to you my faith out of my works. And then it says in verse 19, Thou believest there is one God, Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The word believe here, the Greek word pistis, but it's a direct form. It says, so you say you believe. Hmm. Well, thou doest well. The word well is a Greek word kalos. Well, you're doing pretty good. That's pretty nice for you to say that. So you say you believe. Well, on the one hand, you're doing well, but on the other hand, hmm. The devils also believe. <laughs> and the word devils is the Greek word daimonion. Evil spirits, demons, devils. We're talking about demons and devils. And James says devils also believe. The word also, the Greek word kai. Devils additionally Devils also believe, the word believe here, the word pistis, they have a rock solid belief. Even demons are convinced to the core about God and Jesus. That's why when Jesus showed up, demons started screaming, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. They're terrified of Jesus. They have had previous experience with him and they know his name and they know his authority. 
And in fact, James says they tremble. Demons believe more than you believe. They really know who Jesus is. The word tremble, the Greek word phrisa, which pictures one trembling or one having tremors. It means to shudder, to be struck with extreme fear, to be horrified, or to be panicked. Wow. Verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works or outside of works is dead. The word vain is the word kenos. Ay, 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 this is funny. Wow, what a word to use. It depicts something that is empty, void, or wasted. It denotes emptiness or shallowness. And in this verse, it means empty head, shallow thinker. <laughs> the Bible is so direct. A literal translation would be, what wilt thou know, empty head? Will you not know, shallow thinker, that faith without works is dead. And the word that is the Greek word hoti, which points to a very important conclusion. That faith without, the word without again, the Greek word chorus, faith existing outside of works, it's dead. It is an impossibility. There is no such thing as faith without accompanying actions. He says faith without works. And the word works used here, the Greek word erga, works, deeds, activities, outward accompanying actions is dead. And this time the word dead is different than the previous time the word dead is used in this chapter. This is the Greek word argos. So the word dead is really an incorrect rendering. A better translation would be faith without works is unprofitable. It is lazy. It is worthless. It is unprovable. And in fact, it can even be translated injurious. Why is it injurious? Because when people say, well, I have a private faith and I just don't talk about my faith and I don't demonstrate my faith, that is an injurious kind of faith. It gives a wrong perception of what faith is because real faith is profitable. It has outward actions. But faith without works is argos. It is unprofitable. It is lazy. It is worthless. It is even unprovable. It is unprovable. And when we come back tomorrow, we're going to be examining the faith of Abraham. But I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. How do you know if you're moving in a kind of faith that will really change circumstances? Since there is a real faith and a fake faith, are you sure that you are operating in real faith? Fake faith won't do much, but real faith moves mountains. And nothing is more important than making sure you have mountain-moving faith that produces results. In this five-part series, Real Faith versus Fake Faith, you'll see and learn that real faith has corresponding actions, the role of faith versus works, about Abraham's faith, about Rahab's heroic faith, about how your faith can work wonders, Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10. You'll learn how to stir up the fire of God that is in you with real Bible faith. You can also purchase the books Dream Thieves and The Point of No Return. In these two powerful books, Rick will show you how to identify the thieves that come to steal your dream and how to keep going forward once you've passed the point of no return. 
Rick says, these two books are some of the best materials I've ever written and are designed to help people stay on target with their dreams until they see them fulfilled. Dream Thieves and the Point of No Return can be yours today for only $15 each. Don't miss this special offer. This series, Real Faith versus Fake Faith and Dream Thieves and the Point of No Return. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings, no, no, no. It's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. Pastor Rick's heart is just to get the message of the gospel out there. And because he is absolutely a man after God's own heart, when God says do this, he says yes. I know that we're going to have substantial growth just because that is Pastor Rick's vision. Pastor Rick's heart is for people, and that's why he always says call in for prayer because he's sincere and he means it, and we do too. We're all very honored and humbled. It's just been a wonderful thing to see the growth that has happened because we know the growth comes with people's lives being changed, and that's what our heart is about. Um, these are the end times that we're living in, and there are a lot of new believers. There are many people. Wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that, um, coming, to, coming to know Jesus for the first time. And um, I'm so thankful that we have the tools and the resources available, ready for them when they need it. We're just privileged to get to lend our gifts and our touches to written communication from this ministry. I'm so glad you've let me come into your space today and share with you from James chapter 2 about faith. Faith without works is dead. My friends, if faith is working in you, real faith, you will have accompanying actions. And that's why I want you to get the series, which is called Real Faith versus Fake Faith. There's real faith and there's fake faith or misplaced faith. The subtitle says how to make sure your faith is real, not fake and how to really put it to work. And tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the example of Abraham. But order this today by going online or by giving us a call 
and it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you two books. One is called Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Destiny. And the second book, The Point of No Return, Tackling Your Next New Assignment with Courage and Common Sense. Both of these books are about launching out in faith, and I know they will really encourage you. The Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you want us to put our faith to work. Our faith needs accompanying actions. So show us, Lord, how to use our faith and put it to work so that it becomes visible, that we really authenticate. We're moving in the power of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. Where the word of a king is, there's power.